Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. If you're joining us on YouTube, make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. If you listen to the podcast version of this, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Joining me as always is Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, I guess we got to kick things off with a new name coming to Los Angeles, Staples Center No More, <laughs> and it's happening on Christmas Day. No less. Merry Christmas. Crypto.com arena now. What do you think about that? Right right in time for the uh, Christmas Day showcase right. games and all that stuff. Right? Like, yeah. Um, it's weird. Like, I don't think much about it. Like, I don't. I, I saw people were kind of getting more passionate about it than yeah. I thought they would. It's uh, like, I would get it if it was a a truly meaningful name but it's named after an office supply <laughs> company like why like why do we care that much like it's not like it was a you know mr staples like that was like the you know builder of it or something so yeah i i also thought it was funny because he just yeah, as mm. i know you're well aware of some people like the lakers get all these advantages now this money goes to the lakers like it's not really you know how this works so it's it's uh you know they don't own staples center which i think a lot of people think they they do clearly they're the you know most famous tenant of the building but it's uh you know we were talking about and trying to sort through maybe somebody uh, watching or listening knows for sure but uh the the parent company ag owns half of the kings the hockey team and we there may be a chance that the kings are like the, the priority tenant there much like in boston the Bruins ownership group owns um, the, the TD Garden, so the Bruins get all the first pick dates, and then the, the Celtics get you know shuffled off to the others. And you know, we, one thing we can be assured of is the Clippers are third <laughs> That's for sure. on that uh, that 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 list. But yeah, I don't I don't know. This isn't something that I get uh, overly worked up at. But here here's something that I I, I promise you I wasn't going to tell you this, and I hope you haven't seen it. Did you see Robin Lopez's no, tweet? I did not. I did not. I'm assuming right, it's Disney good. related somehow. <laughs> Oh. No, it isn't. He says, slightly disappointed AD uh, took CryptoArena.com, outbid the city of Boston, who is going to rename Staples Center, F the Lakers, go Pats, performing arts center. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was great. He only was missing the, uh, you have to work in the Yankees suck in there, and you had the full uh, full Boston experience out of that one. But yeah, I, I thought that was um. I, I thought that was pr pr pretty good. <laughs> pretty That's good. But you know, I mean, you see this sometimes in soccer where opposing clubs will buy billboards and things like that outside of their of their yeah. rivals. Or I know, like the like some Dodger fans bought a billboard um, thanking Boston fans for Mookie Betts and, and things of that. Like yeah, you no. get kind of some stuff like that. That would be to rename an arena as a shot at an opposing fan base, that would be like next level, but you'd have to have somebody with just endless money exactly. to want to do that because this deal oh, yeah. is a U.S. record 700 million for the naming rights, Keith. I mean, look, back in what, 1997, Staples paid 100 million for lifetime naming rights. Yeah. That's a pretty nice profit to go, what, 20 plus years and have that 100 million now be worth 700 million for not a lifetime deal, a 20 year deal for crypto.com arena. For something that people will probably call for, for the next 15, five to 10 years. People, still I still call, anyway. I still call, I don't even know so, what it's called now. Yeah. Where the yeah. ducks play, I still call it the pond. I mean, that's, 
Yeah, I don't know. It was it, the, the Honda, Honda Center, Center for yep. a little. This is embarrassing because I lived yep. right down the road and drove by the thing every single day um, for a year and a half. But yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um. Yeah, I, like in Boston, it's just people just yeah. still call it the Garden, and it's not even the Boston Garden. It's not yeah. even the same building. It's like next door to where the Boston Garden was, and those kind of things. It's it's funny how the the things that people get attached to. I guess it just is is weird to me. But yeah, I mean, hey, good for seven hundred million dollars. I guess is you know it's good money if you can get it. Crypto.com. If you would like to sponsor <laughs> NBA Front Office Show, we would love. Uh, well, we will even take less than so just a little bit, just a little bit. Come on, let's drive. A, let's drive yeah, a hard bargain little. here. Um, that's it. Yeah, only a little bit, but but we this will take is, less. I said it on Twitter. I said that's name it whatever you want kind of money. I mean, the largest U.S. naming deal yeah. ever, outside of outside Robin, of Robin Lopez. Lopez's idea. But yes, seven hundred million. That that is absolutely bonkers. And yes, none of it goes to the Lakers. So it's not like I saw people out there saying, "Well, did the Lakers have enough money to pay Alex Caruso yet?" As like you know, a joke. <laughs> and that's not the way this works. So that's not money that goes into the Lakers pockets or anything like that. But it's still, it is a change. And I think that's all it is, is people don't like change. It's been Staples Center forever. There have been some yeah. very positive memories associated with Staples Center, right? We've got all these iconic images of the statues outside of Staples Center, that kind of stuff. And so people are are reluctant to, to change. But ultimately, I don't know if it's going to matter that much. And I will say the crypt is a pretty cool name if it wasn't for the fact that the Lakers have the oldest roster in the NBA in the NBA. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, it right. can go one of two ways, right? Cuz if you're if you're not playing very well, it's like, oh, you know, there they are. <laughs> That's the crypt. That's where everybody goes to die. But yeah, I I um it, it, yeah, I I think that would be kind of kind of neat and yeah, it's just going to take a while to get it you know, worked out and that I will say, I thought it was super cool. Uh, Vanessa Bryant. I don't know if it was a tweet or Instagram or, or where it came from. Cause I saw her come through on Twitter, but she tweeted, it will forever be the house yeah. that Kobe built. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's, and that's kind of the reality, right? We, that's more how, how we think about it. And you know, that's a, uh, you know, that, that to me is, you know, that's that, it's too long of a name to say every single time, but, but it's, it's not uh, change. yeah, that's, I think I, how you think about it, but yeah, it's, yeah, uh, I said the yeah. only, the only name change that Lakers fans would have been like, okay. Right. I mean, it's always been Staples center. So regardless of what it was changing to the only way they would have been on board with it is if they had renamed it like the Mamba center or something, something like that. Yeah, then like fans that. would have been yes yeah. on board with it. Otherwise any other name, it would yeah. have been, what do you mean? No, that's changed. Yeah. I don't like that. You know, that, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, no, as long as it wasn't Robin Lopez's suggestion, I think I, th yeah. I think we're, we're all okay. Uh, here. Lakers <laughs> adjacent <laughs> news here. Tommy Shepard for the Washington Wizards promoted to president of the organization for the first place Washington Wizards. Keith, we're a month into the season, and the Wizards are in first place in the Eastern Conference, just like we all yep. predicted. Yeah, I... It, yeah, just like we all predicted. Uh, yeah, one of the more uh, pleasant surprises, I guess, in the league um, is the Wizards. It's uh, I said today on a radio appearance, they, to me, are kind of the epitome of the whole is greater mm -hmm. than the sum of their parts. Because you look at their individual players and you kind of like all of them, right? I mean, you really yeah. like Bradley Beal, but all right, Spencer Dinwiddie's pretty good. Montrezl Harrell's pretty good in his role. Kyle Kuzma, okay, you're pretty good. Caldwell Pope playing pretty good for them. And then you look at it together and you're like, wow, it just kind of fits. I talk a lot about functional mm -hmm. depth 
for teams that it doesn't necessarily always go well when you have, you know, 12 guys, but eight of them are guards and ball handlers. Like you're probably going to struggle to find lineups at work, but the wizards just have pretty good functional depth. They they've got, you know, just enough bigs. They've got just enough wings, just enough ball handlers. They've got shooters. They've got drivers. They've got guys who can play inside. They've kind of got a lot of things. Now the schedule has been pretty weak. So that's, you know, obviously aided them. But as we say all the time, you only play the teams that are in front of you. It's, you know, and you, it, it, I never really understand the whole beating up on a team for winning games that they should win because we turn right around and kill teams if they lose games that they shouldn't. So it's, it's, you know, but yeah, the schedule's probably going to balance out. They're not going to finish first in the East, but they've put themselves yeah. in the mix, I think, for a home court advantage. And that's crazy. We had that's them as huge. maybe a yeah, play in team heading into the season. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I should pull it up and see exactly where I did have them at because it's because I, I know you're right. It was around mm-hmm. that range. So, yeah, it is. Um, Yeah. I mean, great start for them. And yeah, and Tommy Shepard, you know, uh, regardless of how you feel about Russell Westbrook clearly did well in that trade uh, because that trade was uh, roped into um, the, the bigger the deal, deal as well uh, that then and delivered in witty and Aaron all the Lakers guys. Yeah. I right. remember there was a point there as that was all playing out live. We thought maybe those guys were being routed to yeah. the nets um, for Dinwiddie and that ended up not happening. So that was a uh, you know, good, good for them to, to put together the roster that way. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that team is, um, you know, they, they are well on their way to being, um, you know, pr- pretty, let's call it at least a good team versus a decidedly average uh, team. Bobby Marks for ESPN put out there on Twitter. He said, and maybe this is hyperbole. I kind of feel like we're edging into that territory here, but he said, Kuzma, Trez, KCP, Dinwiddie, Holiday trade, the trade that netted all those players for the Wizards, will go down as one of the great deals of the last 20 years. And of course, he's responding to the promotion of, of Tommy Shepard and all of that. And th- that being a major catalyst that helped him get promoted based on how well the Wizards are doing right now. Um, is that going too far? Do you think to call it one of the best deals of the last 20 years? I mean, obviously, this has worked for the Wizards uh, and they're and they're doing great right now, but I don't. I feel like that's maybe going a step too far to call it one of the greatest deals of the last twenty years. Although clearly it's worked. I mean, the Wizards are in first place right now. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's a couple steps too far for me. And and I love Bobby. Bobby has been one of the most helpful people to me um, as far as learning things about the cap. He's always there for me whenever I have a question about something I'm not understanding. Um, we've been able to workshop a couple of things uh, t- together just to understand it a little bit better. But yeah, he's, he's always extremely helpful to me, but uh, let's uh, there, there might be a little bit of revisionist history in a trade he might've been involved in uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, you know, I, I think that one should still probably be up there, but yeah, it's, it, it also right it's november right. 17th today as we record this so let's not get too insane about a 10 and 3 star but yeah i mean they got three starters and two rotation mm-hmm. players out of a out of a trade for for one guy like that's that's pretty good now it helped that that one guy made million. 40 yeah. 45 million dollars yeah that uh that doesn't you know hurt you as far as getting back a whole bunch of return but yeah i um i think that's you know 
it, it was a great trade. Let's just leave it there. Great trade for the Wizards, and um, they're in the, in the creative flexibility for themselves. They've got all kinds of stuff. They could. I'm not saying they will, but you could even move a couple of those guys if you needed to in another deal down the line, and those kind of things. So yeah, all, all around, I think you know, home run trade. Now we do need Wizards. to get into another trade that is. I think it's going to happen at some point with Marvin Bagley. But before I get to that, um, this kind of fits into this idea that I've had about the NBA season so far. I think one of the common themes, and the Wizards are certainly a big piece to this, is that the fit for teams matters more this season than we've seen in the past. And perhaps that's because of the way the game is being officiated. But it feels like the superstar heavy teams if they don't have the right fit. And we're seeing this right now with the Lakers. We're seeing a little bit with the Nets where they've got some fit concerns and things like that as well. It's more of a detriment if fit is not there for a team and more of a positive if fit is there. That's, I mean, the Warriors are another example of this, right? I feel like that's something that um, that has been apparent through the first month or so of the season. Yeah, I like that point. I think that's a good point too. Now, the other thing that I'll say maybe counter sure. that just a little bit is the LeBron Wade Bosch heat True. were 10 yep. and 10 after 20 games. And we all were rejoicing in how that wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And it was so terrible. And you know, what a dumb decision and all that stuff. And what four finals later, like <laughs> it was just fine. So I, um, I, I think it just, I, I again, go back to, we overreact to things Mm-hmm. In October, November, the beginning part of December. Let's talk around Christmas when we're, you know, 20, 30 games deep into the season. Um, let's really see where, where things are at. But yeah, I, I think that's fair too, because I think what happens when you are so top heavy with stars, because that generally means you're top heavy yep. with salary too. And that 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 um let's use the Lakers mm-hmm. as an example, right? You're top heavy in salary. So the rest of your roster is built out. Let's face it, when guys are available for the minimum, they're available for a minimum the yeah. minimum for a reason. There's some form of hole in their game. There's something that nobody is giving them more than a minimum contract. And then if you're top heavy and the star doesn't perform or the star is not there, it becomes yeah. harder to win. It just removes your margin for error. And this was something I was talking with you about a little bit with the Nets Warriors game last night. It really stood out with the Nets. Their margin for error without Kyrie, it, it's very yeah. limited. Now, Joe Harris was also hurt in that game. Fully understand that. But Joe Harris isn't a 20-point difference maker in you know against the Warriors. Um, that's not – he alone doesn't make up that difference. So I think the challenge for the Nets is you need now – Durant has to be good to great every night. Harden needs to be good to great every night. And if you're going against a team like the Warriors, who's very good – you need another third guy to step forward, and that's going to be your challenge. Whereas if you had Kyrie, you can feel good that, hey, one of our stars can kind of have a rough game and we'll be all right because the other ones are going to pick up pick up the slack for it. And that's that, that, I think, is the truth there where that fit, that roster balance, all those things really matter. And I think what we're seeing right now is the teams that are super top-heavy, they're scuffling a little bit out of the gate. Whereas the the teams that are maybe a little bit more balanced, they've gotten off to that quicker start because yeah. they're they're kind of plug and play. The next guy in, slide them in, off we go. With that, because even the Bucks, the Bucks with all- 
all their injuries and illnesses, they've they've gotten off to a very slow start as well. So yeah, I think that was a very long answer to to your very short thought. So do you think it, it levels out then <laughs> as the season goes on? You think that you think you think the think superstar teams, the top heavy teams, will wind up winning more and more, and this concept of the the team teams, right? The teams yep. that are that are built around fit and more depth and things like that, those will start to drop down as the star driven teams drop up or don't drop off, they jump up. Yeah. I do. I, I do think it balances out. And I think what happens is I think the star teams just take a while longer to figure it out because guys who are used to having the ball all the time, when they have to share it more, it becomes a little trickier to to sort through. Whereas let's so the mm. Wizards, Bradley Beal is going to have the ball a ton. And everybody else is like, okay, I'm not Bradley Beal level guy, so let Bradley Beal have a ton, and we'll figure out how to play off him. Despite the fact that, like I just said, they added you know four rotation or five rotation guys in in this offseason in a trade. So what happens is that makes it, I think, in some ways, a little bit easier. Whereas teams like the Lakers, the Nets, it's all right. We've got now these two, three, four guys who need mm-hmm. the ball a lot. That's going to take longer to sort through and figure out. And this is one of the things that um, I'm not trying to make this Lakers centric podcast because it's a whole other other show. I don't, I don't mind. You don't have to here. apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I see your background. Um, <laughs> that's only a shout out to uh, the people who get mad um, <laughs> about it. But this is why LeBron being out now is it's it's rough for the Lakers because what you're missing out on is those that opportunity mm-hmm. to figure things out. What you would have liked to have seen in an ideal world with the it, your ideal world would have been they fit seamlessly and they blow the doors right. off everybody right out of the gate. But I think realistic idealism would have been, and I, I might have just made up a new thing there. I'm gonna have to go to the psychology <laughs> books. I don't know <laughs> if that's a real idealism. Thing. Just realistic idealism. Um Maybe it is. I probably heard it somewhere. I'm not that smart to create that. But I think what you have to look at with the Lakers is you wanted to use this first month, month and a half to let's get these guys on the same page. Let's make this work. Let's create, you know, figure out our issues and all that. So when you get into March and April, you can say, all right, LeBron, take a week off. Russ take a couple days off. Mm-hmm. AD, you can have a game or two off. And what that starts to do is that allows you, because you've already worked through those issues. Now LeBron's going to come back, and you're still kind of trying to figure out who you are as a team. And that's just going to stretch now deeper into the season. And now it's stretching into, we just start yeah. winning some games here because the, the West is is tough. It's, you know, we're, we're, we've already lost some ground that, you know, it's not impossible to make it up, of course. But yeah, I think that's where those injuries the, the role player injuries, they suck. I get it. It's been rough to play a bunch of games with only having seven, yeah. eight guys available. I fully understand that. But those guys should be able to plug them in, play a role, and off you go. It's the stars that you got to get through and sort that pecking order and those kind of things. And that we always knew that was going to be bumpy. Now it's just we've ext- extended yeah. that bumpy window longer. And, than, and part than of the really challenge wanted. has been the role players that have been hurt have been the role players that you can't lose. Like if, like if one of Malik Monk yeah. or Wayne Ellington got hurt, Okay, you've got you've got the other one, Absolutely. but Trevor Ariza yeah. getting yeah. hurt now. Austin Reeves is one of your bigger guys. They just didn't have that many big guys left. To where when Anthony Davis is out there at center, yeah. it's AD and four guards around him, and then AD is you yeah. know out of the perimeter, yeah. and they're just getting killed on the boards. Um, but realistic idealism is indeed a thing. It is it is, it is a oh, thing. I just just looked it up. Uh, as an idealist who can be realistic about a situation. 
uh, but they may idealize about how that situation could be different. So there you go. Look at that. Huh. Getting into philosophy. That might describe me pretty good because I, I tend to describe myself as a realistic optimist. But maybe that's what I really am as a really realistic idealist. I'm going to put that in your your lower third graphic. Now it's going to be your it's going to be your nickname. <laughs> there you go, Keith. The the realistic <laughs> maybe idealist. Can, maybe it can replace my uh, my my missing yes, uh, Instagram. Yeah, I'll toss uh, I'll toss it in there. <laughs> at at realistic idealist. Yeah. Oh no, there someone is. probably really is that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let me go um, say one other thing on this yeah. topic real quick before we move off it. The Chicago Bulls on the flip side kind of blow all of that up <laughs> because you're talking about a, about a handful of really high usage guys mm -hmm. coming together and they've just yeah. made it work. Now, I think it is also I think there's a lot of incentive there to make it work because this was a guy uh, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, where you know, these guys worth these contracts. So they wanted to prove it. Zach Levine wants to prove, hey, I can win, you know, mm -hmm. with that. And then Vooch's. He's high usage as far as he shoots when he gets it, but he's being set up. It's not like he's dribbling out the shot clock and finding his own shots and stuff. But yeah, that's that's the only counter to it. So it can come sure. together pretty quickly, but is that going to last with them? Because I don't know that DeRozan playing at a career best level is really sustainable, but right now but those it looks are pretty also good. also more like 1B or like 2A stars, right, that are coming yeah. together. This isn't like, you know. Yeah. The, the yeah, these are not. Yeah, this is not the right. Nets, the Lakers, you know, star, star heavy. Um, teams. We'll yeah. finish up with with this for this segment. The Kings are in no rush to trade Marvin Bagley, nor should they be. I mean, look, we we've talked about this with uh, relation to the Philadelphia 76ers. A lot of the NBA can't be traded right now. All the guys that are on new contracts can't be traded till December 15th at the earliest. So that's still yeah, month away. So that's what the Kings are, are really waiting for here in a Bagley deal as much as they like to, you know, showcase him to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, and I think what was pointed out is you put Tristan Thompson and Marvin Bagley together, that's $21 million in expiring mm -hmm. salary. That if you're the Kings, if you're fighting for a playoff spot or whatever, you can kind of get get something pretty good. That, that's that's a nice chunk of salary matching there for for a team, and then that's that's going to be yep. your mindset right now. If you're Sacramento, is all right. You know, one Thompson's not a huge loss because he's been in and out of the rotation all year uh, as a you know anywhere from the fourth to fifth big in their rotation mm -hmm. most nights um and then Bagley's really no loss to them as far as on-court production so yeah that that would be my guess if I'm the Kings I would also be in no rush to do this I get it I want to see Marvin Bagley somewhere else too because I'd like to see him play I would like to find out is Marvin Bagley does he still yeah. have something to his game as far as being a player but yeah we're we're at a point where yeah, it, is this a you know, real thing or not? I mean, we're we're gonna find out. My guess is, come trade deadline, Marvin Bagley He's somewhere is else. gone and on another team. But yeah, I just don't know that. Yeah, I just don't know that it's gonna be there. And I did have, somebody asked me, would the Kings just buy him out if they can't find a trade? And I mean, sure, that, I would that assume would be they can't find a trade. Pretty after. unprecedented. But yeah, what's the point? Yeah, because if nothing else in the off season. You can still make him a restricted yeah. free agent and then say, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to work out a sign and trade yeah. or something like that. Now, it's not going to be like a sign and trade where he gets 20 million a year and, you know, return to something. But you could make something happen I mean, in that. I mean, that Devontae realm. Graham, oh, yeah. right? I mean, look, look what happened there where yeah. he was a restricted free agent. The Pelicans said we want him, but we don't want to deal with the whole restricted process. So let's trade something for him. Right. Yep. And then so yep. you can put exactly. yourself in that situation, too. 
Um, and, yep. and by waiting two, the standings will shake out a little bit more. So exactly. you'll have some teams that maybe realize, okay, by mid-December, yeah, this isn't happening. Maybe there's some pieces that they're willing to move then that they're not willing to move right now. Yeah, and there's there are teams that are hoping the standings shake out the other way mm-hmm. and the Kings really yes. fall out because – they're, I mean, it feels like this guy's going to be uh, the object of other teams' affection for forever. Harrison Barnes is playing yep. really well, and people are like, "Could we, you know, get him for you know what feels like the entirety of his Kings run?" Um, is you know teams trying to poach him from him? But if you really look at it, let's just do a quick look. I don't know if the Kings fall out of playing. They're in ten right now. They're at the ten spot right now. They've got ten right now. But look who's uh, below them. Oklahoma City are. They've kind of played okay, but that's not yeah. going to continue. That's going to, I mean, they're negative 8.6 yeah. and point differential. That's going to fall way off. Um, the the Pelicans and Rockets, I'm, I'm done. They're done. They're, yeah. they're written off. Maybe the Spurs can kind of figure it out. I think the Spurs are closer than it seems, maybe. Um, they're, they're, they're only a point off and point differential, so maybe they can figure it out. And then the Wolves, I just, I don't know, just doesn't feel good like they're they just don't play defense they're just kind of messy so yeah i don't know that the kings are necessarily going to fall out of the play-in and if you're sacramento getting to the play-in is something right because you want De'Aaron fox and tyrese halberton and rashawn holmes and davian mitchell to play some form of meaningful game or games at least and we've seen in the play-in you get hot for a couple games you then that turns into a playoff spot and that becomes you know, a major difference. So I don't I don't know that the Kings are going to fall out of this, which could turn them into a buyer. But just like we saw last year, does the play-in change how much, how many sellers right. there are? Because now, you know, now only 10 teams don't make the postseason. Let's just call it that. So if you if you you know, yeah, we could get a team in the play, and that's like, man, we didn't really care about this, but here we are. We're here. But it really is like I do wonder how much that changes the market. It's going to take us a few years for that to really shake itself out. But you you don't have these teams that are going to look at it in you know, middle of January and be like, all right, trade deadline's three, four weeks away, and we're out of it like start selling. Like we're, we're moving guys. We're, we're off these players versus – all right, we're still in the playing mix, and it can be hard for some of these teams to sell to their fans. Like we don't care about yeah. the plan. The Raptors were able to do it last year, and Raptors fans are like, "What do we care? You're yeah, playing the, in Tampa." The Raptors weren't, weren't, like, weren't there. They us. weren't there to feel yeah. the backlash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Please go get the good high pick. And yeah. Clearly, they're thrilled now yes. with Scotty Barnes. Um. But yeah, it's it, it like the King. Can you imagine if the Kings were like? Uh, we could get into the play-in and maybe fight for a playoff spot, but now nah, we're going to trade Harrison Barnes for future first-round pick. Like that's yeah. like I think I would be pretty upset if I was a Kings fan off that one. Now, now, yeah, if you could get some incredible return, uh, that makes it a little harder. But yeah, it's tough. It's it's. Uh, I always say when you root for a team that has been in or is expected to be in the playoffs every year, it you don't necessarily have the same perspective as a fan base that. That's not what happens. And when you are there, it feels different. I, the Orlando Magic, great example, uh, before they, they kicked off this latest rebuild, I truly believe they did not want to be the sixth, seventh, eighth seed like they were for a couple mm-hmm. years. I think if they they would have rather said, all right, blow it up. It didn't work. 
start selling off those pieces, blow it up, do it a year or two earlier. But the reality was you couldn't do that to the fans here. They hadn't sniffed any kind of success since trading Dwight Howard. And it meant a lot to, to that yeah. group to go. Plus I do think their returns were a little bit better for those players because they were, Hey, these they guys can win, playoff right? Play. That's the, that's the exactly. perspective. They of the won right. games, so, I mean, and Hey, their return for Vooch and pretty Gordon. Yep. Fantastic. I mean, all sorts of picks and players and everything else. All right. Let's take a quick break. You know, Sports Talk Radio can have a major influence on the lens that we view sports through and therefore can influence our betting decisions. If you miss the biggest sports headlines from the night before and wonder how that might impact this week's bets, you can relive the best in sports from the night before with BetMGM Tonight presented by BetMGM. MGM. BetMGM has a live show that does a great job of giving you the highlights from sports while providing a little bit of betting info as well. Just makes you more informed and more confident when you're placing your bets, and it is a lot of fun. It's engaging, it's polarizing, it's relevant. You can get caught up in the sports betting world with a heavy dose of entertainment. Host Quentin Mayo from NBC Sports Washington and Ryan Horvat from 1250 AM The Fan and Trista Crick are joined by on-site correspondents to bring you insider information in real time. Every detail matters when you're making bets. BetMGM Tonight dives deeper to help give you the edge. It's fun to bet on the game. It's even more fun when you've got the inside scoop. Tune in to BetMGM Tonight presented by BetMGM. Listen on Odyssey, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Trevor Lane here. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Keith Smith joining me at Keith Smith NBA. Zion Williamson getting closer to coming back. He's now cleared for contact drills, but does it matter for the Pelicans? Second worst record in the NBA <laughs> at this point. Have they dug themselves a hole that is too deep already? Yeah, they're not coming back from that. They're not going to be a playoff okay. team. It's it's. There are two things you have to look at early in the season when a team is way down in the standings is one is how much ground do they have to make up just in terms of games back? That's already a pretty, pretty big ask for the the, the Pelicans. So let me make sure I get the right number here. They are, so they are seven and a half games out of six and four and a half out of 10. That's, that's a, a lot, lot. For, for a team that's <laughs> not that month good. That's a lot. And I mean, Brandon Ingram's Correct. been missing too. Um, and he's back yeah. in action now, but he's lost some games as well. But when you're a team like the Pelicans, it's already kind of teetering on the edge heading into the season. This kind of start yeah. can kind of be the end really. Yeah, that is a, you need to rip off an eight yeah. game win streak just to get in the conversation. The other thing you have to look at too, though, is how many teams you have to pass to get into that contention and they're 14th in the West. So that's an awful lot of teams. You got to move past to, to get there. So now does it matter standings wise? No. Does it matter everything else wise? Yeah. Yes. You need to get Zion on the court one, just to get Zion on the court, but you also need to be in a position where you're getting a look at, you made these offseason changes and added Jonas Valanciunas. You added um, uh, Devontae Graham. How does your what you envisioned as your uh, starting group look together on the court so you can start making some long-term decisions? Now, my question is, that leads into the to right. this next part is, do you want David Griffin making That's your right. long-term decisions? Is he, is he going to be there? Is he the guy you want saying – 
all right, you know, uh, and I'm just throwing this out there because I don't know that it's necessarily the case, but, you know, Brandon Ingram really doesn't work for what we want to be. Let's trade him. Whereas the guy who takes over, if Griffin isn't there after, could say, you know, wait, Griffin does work. Like, Ingram. Uh, or uh, not yeah. Griffin, Ingram does work. Let's keep it. You know, we should have kept him and those kind of things. So that's, that's where it gets a little tricky. But yeah, when you're seven and a half out of an assured playoff spot in six or you're four and a half out of the last playing spot a month into the season, it's you, it's now it's about, all right, we got to figure out what works the rest. So, of the I mean, good though, that, that Zion's coming back, of course, from, from injury. That's, oh, that's great. Great for the NBA. Great for the Pelicans. Maybe good for David Griffin. We'll, we'll see, but don't expect them to get into the playoff race or anything like that. Uh, jumping over nope. to Brooklyn, little update on Kyrie Irving. Steve Nash says that he does still talk to Kyrie, but they don't talk about basketball. What do they, what, they talk about the yeah, weather, not, I, I'm guessing, or things of things of life, life in Brooklyn life in general. I, yeah, my guess is this is Steve Nash is basically saying, "Look, I'm not gonna pressure yeah. this guy to." you know, come back and play and those kind of things. And I'm sure to some extent there has to be a thought process of, I've said this before, he's not yeah. here. We don't know if he will be here. We need to just move on. That's kind of, you've heard the Clippers and the Nuggets talk about that with Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Murray respectively is they're not here. So we can't, we can't talk about that. It's not, it's not like the, the Pelicans with Zion's coming back and, you know, whenever we'll, we'll get there or uh, the Lakers with LeBron will be back right. in a you know few more days. Like you can start to, you factor that into your, you know, uh, analysis and color and how you think about, about your season. If you're the Nets, I'm sure it's just a little bit of a, Hey, we, the guys we got are the guys we got. We got to, got to move forward with, with that. But Steve Nash also, I'm sure that's one of his players. He's not going to just leave him completely out to dry. He's going to make sure he's checking in and making sure, you know, Kyrie's doing okay. And all those things. I mean, this is, this to me says more of Steve Nash X's and O's. There's still definitely some figuring things out and it's been painted over a little just because of how good his players are, but he gets this job, mm -hmm. right? So much of being a coach is communicating and taking care of your guys and those kind of things. And Steve Nash, you know, former point guard, former all-time great teammate that everybody loved, he gets it. And that's why I didn't have a lot of doubt that he would be uh, a good head coach. I thought he'd be a very good head coach because I, the X's and O stuff, he'll figure that out and get the right guys on staff to help with. It's everything else we knew he was going to I mean, Nets at. fans have expressed some frustration from what I've seen with the X's and O's and stagnation in the offense and things like that. But that's kind of what happens if a team is not quite living up to expectations. Trust me, I, I know a little sure. bit about that with, with the Lakers. <laughs> uh, but I will say from a management perspective, this is also a smart answer from Steve Nash. Even if all they talk is basketball, this is the right answer to give. Because if you say, oh, we talk a lot of basketball or whatever, it becomes a bigger story. And then it leads to follow-up questions. Whereas Steve Nash saying, we don't yep. even talk basketball, it just shuts it down. Yeah, then it becomes, he. if there was a follow-up, it could be those conversations are personal. Where if it's, wait, you talk about yeah. that, like, what do you exactly. think about the team? What do you, you know, what do you think about this and that? And that's where, yeah, this is just, I mean, it's the, let's face it too. Steve Nash knows a thing or two about manipulating mm -hmm. the media to make sure the message he wants out there gets out there with, with that. Hey, you just reminded me just because you said you may know a thing or two. Um, people have asked Celtics Lakers yep. on Friday. We will have some form of friendly yep. bet right. on the game. It's probably going to involve now. 
We already discussed it. I own no Lakers gear. <laughs> Trevor doesn't own Celtics gear, as one could probably right. expect. But we both do own, I own purple stuff. Trevor owns green stuff. So it'll probably be some form of, at some point, one of us will pay off the, the losing end of that bet by wearing the other team's primary color, and we'll, we'll make it work. Yep. And we'll have some fun uh, with that. So so just just in case anybody's wondering, we, we will have some fun uh, with that game And on Keith Friday. has agreed to come on the LakersNation.com post-game yes. show after Lakers versus Celtics with me. So that's going to be... I think that will be a first, Keith. I think that'll be the first time for the post-game show that I've had someone representing the so. opponent on the show. So that's that's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. If there's ever a chance that Keith and I are going to kill each other, that's that would be it, <laughs> right? That would be the one, the one yeah. scenario. If Rajon Rondo hits a game winner at the buzzer, I'm not coming on the show. Because <laughs> it's just going to be however long your show lasts, me complaining about that happening again. So I, they, let's just cancel that appearance now. Any other result, I will I, I will be there. I will either uh, 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 gloat a little or happily uh, eat right. some crow. But between our uh, our our uh, you know fantastic uh, 500 level basketball <laughs> teams that the rest of the NBA is like, no well, one cares. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. No, on Friday. Um, let's jump over to a good, Oh, they, these teams played games when they were terrible oh, yeah. and they Absolutely. were still fun. Like they, yeah, it's Celtics Lakers. It just means more than any other matchup. In that's, the NBA. That's, that's, that's right. The we're only slightly biased there, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Celtics Lakers. We mean more than anyone else. <laughs> yep. Um, if a, a guy I'm who wrong. was almost a Laker, Buddy Heald, changing agents. Uh, I don't know that this means yep. a ton that Buddy Heald switches his, his agent over, but uh, but it's something to note. Uh, sometimes you see players do this ahead of making a move. It's Diana Day is going to become his his agent of Icona Agency, and I think it's interesting. You know, his former agent was Rob Palenka for the Lakers. And then he mm -hmm. uh, was managed by Brandon Rosenthal. So maybe there's some dissatisfaction with the way things were handled in terms of the almost trade of the Lakers. That's me speculating, sure. but regardless, Buddy Heald gets a new agent and most likely, I mean, Buddy Heald, if we were to make a list of, I don't know, the top 10 players to be traded the, during the season, Buddy Heald's got to be pretty high up on that list. Yeah, I would think so. Just from the standpoint of it's been so close, yeah. feels like for about three years running now. So yeah, and, and you're now so far past him being the primary piece in the DeMarcus right. Cousins trade. That no longer matters. Nobody was involved in that trade's even still there. Uh you know, running that team, you know, as far as the day-to-day right. -day basketball ops. So yeah, it's that's not a thing. So yeah, I I I Again, we talked about this in our last one. If the reason why the Kings aren't probably moving Marvin Bagley is because they're holding out because right now they're in the play in and what that could mean. So that's probably going to factor mm -hmm. into um, where, where they're at. But we've also heard at times he's not exactly happy. He's kind of now the fourth guard on that team because um, Halliburton has obviously taken over the starting yeah. spot. And then you have uh, Davian Mitchell, who everybody loves, stepping in there and uh, playing well. But he's still playing a lot. He's still just doing what he does, um, you know, shooting a bunch of three-pointers and, yeah, do, doing his thing. So, yeah, I, I think they've made it work. So I, I think you're right because it's just – been there for years running now but i i'm not sure that that's necessarily the direction that the the kings go all right we do have a transaction that took place 
to get into. This has actually yeah. happened. Uh, the Lakers waved Siku Duboya, apparently rehabbing a foot injury, and they wanted somebody who was healthy in there, and they signed Shondi Brown off of the South Bay Lakers G League squad, uh, signed him to a two-way contract, looked pretty good for the Lakers in Summer League. And uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of people who are kind of excited about Shondi Brown getting that opportunity. But, you know, Keith, I did have a lot of people asking the question of, well, what happens now with Siku Dumboya's contract? Does that sit on the Lakers' books? Does that factor into the luxury tax? What does that look like for a two-way player? Yeah, nothing. There, there's no cap hit for mm-hmm. a two-way player at, at all. So there's no nothing on the books. They, they, they pay him whatever their agreed to guaranteed amount was. Um, I, I don't have that in front of me, um, there. But it, uh, but that's just salary paid to him. There, there's no form of uh, cap hit, no form of luxury tax hit. And this is, this is the unfortunate part of life as a two-way mm-hmm. player. If you are hurt and probably not going to make it back, and maybe not a big part of the developmental plan uh for you like, like for example um uh we saw a jace jaden scrub with the clippers they drafted him and signed him to a two-year two-way when he was injured because the idea was we want to get something out of him in the, the uh, subsequent right. years down the line well the boy is not the lakers have no investment yeah, there they just so picked him up. if he can't help now yeah move move on from him and get a guy in who can help for a team that is in need of just healthy bodies that that can you know take the floor. So yeah, this makes sense since uh, there with that one. It's uh, you know, it's just that's unfortunate. That's just the way it goes. But generally, what this means is if you're hurt with a team and then waived, you can still have access to that team's yes. facilities, still work out there, still rehab there, and all that. So my guess is Domboya just sticks around the Lakers, does his thing. Um, he'll probably eventually, when he's ready to play, either they'll bring him back on a two-way because they can do that, or he'll uh, probably likely land with South Bay in the G League and, and play his way, way back to the NBA through that. Speaking there. of landing with that, I didn't have this on my – but you just reminded me, uh, Stanley Johnson. Stanley yeah, Jones. landed with, yeah. with South Bay with the Lakers. So, uh, so popping up again. Uh, I mean, this is a wing player that we had that had some promise at one point in the NBA. That is obviously um, diminished quite a bit, but uh, we'll see if he can battle his way back in the G League. What's interesting is I had somebody say to me, they're like, well, this is cool because then if he looks good, the Lakers have the inside track on signing him. And that's not true. That's not how it works. Uh, Every player in the G League that's not on an assignment so or not a two-way player. So an assignment is you send the young guy down, the guy's down there playing with the team, um, but he's really signed to the NBA team. Or, of course, a two-way player is signed to the combo contract between the two teams. Um, every other player in the G League is an NBA free agent, so they can sign with any team. It's like they signing want. somebody off there the practice teams squad will... in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, more or less. Um, now, it gives the Lakers the inside track as far as seeing him yeah. every day and uh, where just for, if anybody doesn't know, South Bay plays at the Lakers practice facility, so they are uh, is connected as an NBA and G League team is in the league. Um, so, yeah, so it is very um, – uh, they're, they're going to see him on a day-to-day basis with that. Have I ever told you my favorite Stanley Johnson story? No. I didn't know you have a Stanley Johnson story. So, so that, that's, that's yeah. something right there. <laughs> 
So this was when he was with the Pistons. This was at Orlando Summer League, which was, uh, if folks remember it, it was played in the Magic's practice uh, court. Um, So there was no fans. It was only media and team Mm -hmm. personnel in there and then agents and scouts and things like that. So we were, I was actually sitting next to Stan Van Gundy uh, and and his his dad, um, who his dad is a very famous, uh, I believe he was a high school coach. Um, for a number of years, and uh, it was just a running commentary between the two of them of everything that happened in the game. So anyway, Stanley Johnson, um, it was in the second half of a uh, summer league game. Uh, Stanley Johnson was in his second year. He had a player. I'm not going to say who the other player was because it would be unfair to that player, but he had him trapped in the corner, uh, really pressing up on him, playing very physical defense, and the player threw the ball off Stanley Johnson out of bounds because that was the only right. thing he could do. And the player turned and said to Stanley Johnson, he said, damn, man, why are you defending so hard at summer league? You're already in the league. And Stanley Johnson just smiled and ran away. And Stan Van Gundy leans over and says, yep. And that's why you'll never be in the league (laughs) about that other player. So that's my, my favorite Stanley Johnson story. Just, you know, guy works really hard. He's just, he's just a limited uh, offensive player more than anything else. I mean, we'll see if he can battle his way back. You never know. Sometimes it takes players a little while. I mean, look at uh, Cameron Payne, right? I mean, it, it's possible to, to battle your way back. So never know. And if you can bring one defined skill to the NBA, if you're good enough at that one defined skill, it can be enough to yep. keep you on a roster. And if he really embraced that, you know, I'm just going to be a lockdown six foot seven switchable perimeter defender type. He might be yep. able to make it work. Never know. Never know. So best of luck to him. Hey, one other thing I didn't, we didn't uh-huh. put it on the rundown, but uh, I thought it was just because we're kind of on a Lakers topic. thought it was interesting. DeMar DeRozan's comments. Oh, yeah. Chris Hayes. Uh, he, he thought he was done thought he was going home thought he was gonna yes. be a laker i really kind of i thought that was that was kind of interesting and cl- clearly i think we all thought that was the way uh certain things were going in the soft season before the westbrook trade kind of materialized uh very this late is a bigger game. topic for another show maybe even something i'll put over on the lakers nation youtube channel but something you and i need to discuss is looking at the lakers options in hindsight which is always you know 2020 but you yeah. have two players who thought they were lakers in Buddy Heald and DeMar DeRozan, you've got Russell Westbrook, who actually became a Laker. So you had three paths to take right there. And then you also had the possibility of just keeping the team they had from last year. So that's a, a decision that we can kind of revisit and break down uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of keeping the team that they could have had, did you see this little Dennis Schroeder thing? Uh, no, did, but I'm guessing you... that he said at the so... end of the day. <laughs> no, no, nothing he said or did. Um, it's Celtics fans are calling it Schroeder History Week. So the Celtics play on Wednesday tonight. We're recording uh-huh. on Wednesday. They play the Atlanta Hawks on Friday. They oh. play the Lakers, and on Saturday they play the oh, Thunder. So it's a it's His a Schroeder revenge teams tour all in a row. Yeah, that's what they. Yeah, people are calling it the Revenge Tour, Shooter History Week, whatever they want to call it. But yeah, that's kind of that. I I I wouldn't even begin to know how to find out if it's true or not. But it feels like that's got to be the first time that's happened where a player's going against his three former teams, three games in a row. you know, non-playoffs, obviously, because that could be a thing. But yeah, I thought I thought that was that somebody was interesting. who does the math yeah. can uh, can figure out what the odds are of of that actually happening in an NBA season, particularly with you know Western Conference, yeah. Eastern Conference, you know that type of thing. But uh, 
interesting that that's going to be taking place. And I hope that, for my sake, I hope that Schroeder takes out all of his vengeance on the Hawks and then has a nice, <laughs> nice frosty shooting night on Friday. Because otherwise, I think Lakers fans will be, oh, it'll be, it's been bad. It'll be on another level if Dennis Schroeder goes for like 20 points or something like that on Friday. Well, now I want nothing more in my life. So there, if, if, well, let's put it this way. I'm going to join That's you right. on Lakers Nation post game show uh, on Friday. If, uh, if it's with Dennis Schroeder going down, oh boy, I might come in there. You know, I, I might be pull, pulling off some of the oh, champions the, the, here stuff. The and chat all kinds will of be stuff. on another level. It will be on another level. <laughs> you no, know it's sure. funny though. What's Funniest Celtics fans would say that's completely disingenuous because I've I have not been overly kind to uh, no. Dennis Schroeder even his in his uh, good moments. I'm trying to be a little bit more balanced, but he is a uh, let's just say uh, it's not not my uh, favorite style of play. In well, the then you DMA. will fit in right just fine on the Lakers <laughs> Nation post game show on Friday. All right, everybody. I think that wraps it up from here. Appreciate all of you joining and make sure, again, we, we love the growth that we've seen in this channel. Appreciate all of the support. If you haven't done so yet, please make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office Show. And then really important, turn on those notifications so you get notified every time we put out a new video. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. See ya and stay safe.